podcasting at the crossroads of fandom, this is Northwest Nerd, bringing you news and entertainment and the stories that make us nerds. I'm pop culture journalist Dyer Oxley, back with another reach into the archives here at the offices of Northwest Nerd. We are going through all of our ghost stories this month. It is October leading up to Halloween, the greatest of all the holidays. So I thought it would be nice to revisit some of our spooky tales every year. We do like to bring out a ghost story from our own Northwest backyard and and tell that in one of our nerd story segments. So this episode, we are going to go to one of the most popular corners in all of the Northwest. This is a story that uh, I co-produced with Ensign Brandon Haddix. This story is about the hauntings that happen around the Pike Place Market in Seattle. A lot of places say that they are haunted. Some say they are the most haunted. In Pike Place Market, the people there definitely say it's haunted, but what's a little unique about this place is the considerable number of ghost children that pop up there, running about, creepy tales of how they appear. So we decided to focus in on this one aspect and tell the story of the ghost children of Pike Place Market. Walking around Seattle's Pike Place Market, you might not notice them. I mean, among the shops, the buskers, all the smells of fresh food and flowers, not to mention the many tourists who are lining up to get into the original Starbucks location, maybe get a view of that famous fish toss. So, yeah, among all of this, people may have seen them, but they probably didn't realize what they were actually seeing. Well, I think that's what's interesting about a place like the Pipe Place Market. I think that people there probably interact with other realms quite often and don't even notice it because of all the activity down there. So in my mind, they're seeing it just like I'm seeing you. So what they are seeing here, according to Mercedes Caraba, are ghosts. Many of the shop owners, the people who live in this close-knit community, will testify that Pike Place Market is haunted. Very Haunted. With more than a hundred years of history, the area where the Pike Place Market is has amassed a collection of souls. But perhaps the one feature that sticks out are how many ghostly children are still running along the wooden walkways of Pike Place Market. Down in the lower levels, there's like a cluster of young children that people see, um, quite young, like three to eight, and um, wearing white and sometimes like a black smocks, kind of not shorts, but, you know, shorter pants. And they, they seem to be in disarray, like not necessarily clean or healthy. Um, and they definitely look like from a period that's without neon. There is one particular ramp where a lot of these children have been seen. And for a lot of reasons that we are not quite fully certain about, that ramp seems to be the locust of the sightings of child ghosts. This is Chris Last, who today leads ghost tours relating the history of the market and the paranormal stories that have piled up over all the years. And this ramp is also not far from a shop where other child ghosts are seen, including perhaps 
the most famous ghost in the market. So famous, he gets his own room. Jacob is probably the most known as for one of the ghosts in the market in general. And he is in Merry Tales, which is a shop on the lower levels of Pike Place Market. But before we get to Jacob and all these other children, it's important to know exactly why this one area of Seattle has collected so many lingering souls. So in the city of Seattle, early graveyards have been moved three, four times. Um, and one of them was very close to the Pike Place Market. And that's one that the land itself, to me, seems to still carry the energy because it is certain that not all the graves were moved. Those early accounts of people going in and forging in, in indigenous grave sites in the early 1900s that were around Second and Stewart Mainly, if you were someone of wealth or importance, then you were moved. And if you look at early Seattle's history, you do see this racist sentiment toward Chinese, toward African Americans, toward Native Americans. And um, there's very few of those graves today. So you have to wonder where people were moved. Or if they were moved at all. Mercedes began researching the history of the land where Pike Place Market is today because, in a way... It's also her personal story that has become intertwined with it. She lived there herself for many years and ran a business there too, Ghost Alley Espresso. Her father, Michael Yeager, was the one who initially started retelling the many tales of ghosts from around the market. Mercedes turned it into the market's official ghost tour sometime after the turn of the millennium. She took the time to actually look up the history behind what people were experiencing. So for me, I think of land and intention. For instance, if you um, visit Notre Dame in Paris, walking in there, you can almost feel the gravity and the faith of the people over you know, all this time that there's been prayer in that building. I feel that. And to me, that's an imprint. So around 1st, 2nd, Stewart in Virginia, I believe that there is an energy that remains from those early grave sites. Not to say that it's going to be a scary negative energy. I just believe that there's an energy in the land itself. And that energy, according to Mercedes, remains. Many different groups of people moved through this one area. Some settlers, some en route to the Klondike Gold Rush, and others, they went there to die. I came across... Some health records from 1918 and 1919, which is when the flu pandemic hit Seattle, and it was really horrendous. This flu outbreak was one of the deadliest global epidemics in history. The flu killed within three days. So imagine you're a father or a mother, you've got three kids, and your three-year-old contracts the flu. Instead of risking your entire family, the city did provide quarantine areas where children became wards of the state, and they were taken care of and passed with grace. And... Some of those quarantines were surrounding the area that I'm talking about in the market. And I predominantly think that the children people see are from that time period. There were signs left over. The people who now own Kells Pub found one of them around 1999. When they were renovating the building, part of that exists underneath the sidewalk on First Avenue. And they were going behind and cleaning out areas. And they discovered um, what, can, what could be called a tomb in a way, I think because they found uh, urns with cremated remains of children from 1918 and 1919 
with no name, no family name, uh, all under the age of eight. Rumor has it that it was about 100 urns that were found here. And aside from all this, the YMCA also ran an orphanage in the market area around 1900 or so. Generation after generation, children have always ran and played through the market. And they still do. A few years ago, Mercedes sold her coffee shop. She handed over the ghost tours to the nearby theater. That's where Chris comes in. He's with Unexpected Productions, which now leads the ghost tours through the market. And he's taken over the role of maintaining the ghost stories from this community. Such as the stories of all the children who are seen near the haunted ramp and elsewhere in the market. Well, Kells um, has a young girl that people have seen. They describe her as having red hair, and she's often on the stairs. So in the former daycare, which happens to be right where all of these ghosts are seen um, and has now moved, that daycare uh, was opened in the 1980s. And there's all sorts of stories of the children having imaginary friends, which isn't too unusual. It is unusual when the imaginary friend has the same name. So Ernie was an imaginary friend of one of the children uh, early on in the preschool that this child played with. And then the year ended, the child left, and children came back in. New kids, right? Uh, and those kids started playing with Ernie. And it sort of continued like that. There's an account of one of the teachers closing the door one night and seeing a little brown-haired boy kind of hide behind a desk. She went looking for this little boy and, and didn't find anything. And that night she was so concerned she called the security guards in the market and they walked through the space as well. There was a cleaning lady at the time and the cleaning people in the Down Under, uh, they spend a lot of the time essentially by themselves in almost the quiet. And anybody that comes and goes in the Down Under, they see it. And uh, the woman that cleans those floors stopped them and said, you know, you don't need to look any further. I know what she's talking about. There's a, there's a little brown-haired boy about this tall that's in the child care. I see him at night. And then she proceeds to spill her guts about a series of experiences that she had had inside the Down Under of witnessing a child ghost, uh, a particularly mischievous child ghost that she described as going from store to store and frequently stealing things. She, though, adds a detail uh, of this ghost child that the teacher hadn't noticed, which is that this child had no eyes. Um, yeah, this, this little boy with no eyes that's down in the market. And if you walk just up the stairs from that location, you will find a store called Mary Tales. It's right next to Golden Age Comics. Mary Tales is a boutique specializing in items for pet owners. It also has a ghost. His name is Jacob. This kind of composite that is Jacob, it just comes from all the different owners and all the different people that have experienced things in that shop. And they believe that he's a young boy, probably preteen. People think that he might have worked in the stables, which were adjacent to the building. Before 1973, this shop space was a federal post office. And after that, it was converted into a bead store. We think that Jacob might have a, a passion for marbles or for shiny things. One, one group of owners that had the bead shop, Ram and Nina, they would constantly find the beads in different baskets, like the colors messed up, or occasionally things would actually go flying across the room. There's 
a great story about a woman that worked for them. She was wearing this blue dress and she was looking for a beaded necklace to wear for the day. And as she's walking around, this necklace pops off a hook on the wall, drops to the ground, and it's the same blue as her dress. And well, Jacob has a good eye, obviously. It didn't take long for the current residents of the shop to notice that there was more to this space than they could see. So they would lock up, they would leave for the night, they would come back the next day to find the store, like displays knocked over, things knocked off of shelves, and no sign of a forced entrance and nothing stolen. So they start to get wise to what I think a lot of people were quite aware of, that there was, there was a child ghost there. And things got even more mysterious when they made a startling discovery. They parked down in the old parking lots, and they're crossing Western Avenue. You can kind of look up and you can see all the, all the back windows of all those shops that are in the down under portion of the market. And they look up to the windows of Mary Tales and they notice something that they hadn't noticed before, which is that it turns out Mary Tales has two extra windows. So with some trepidation, they run upstairs, they unlock the gate, they go down the ramp, turn the corner and through the curtains into the storage room to the back wall. Upon closer inspection, the back wall really wasn't much of a wall at all. It was thin, a type of drywall material, just enough to seal off the end of the closet. So they get a skill saw and they cut a portal through, like a person-sized portal, and push through the wall and enter a room, uh, an empty room. Okay, so you gotta understand, so they find a room this is all prime real estate, like market space is very precious. And they basically find, uh, you know, it's not a huge room, but they find the spot of their store that gets walled off from everything else inexplicably. It's an odd little room. It's almost sort of pie-shaped uh, with two windows at the far end and a low ceiling. And they enter in. It's essentially empty, except they notice near the window a row of beads that's meticulously lined up and then just left there. An awfully strange coincidence that this store they have that seems to be a favorite place of this ghost child to kind of like terrorize them um, just happens to have like a secret room that's walled off from everything else. <sighs> Wanna bet Jacob lives in here? Uh, what do we do now? So they eventually concoct a plan to make peace with Jacob. They go and they get a, a, a crib. It's like a little doll crib. And they fill it up with toys. And they take it in through the portal and into the room. And near the window, they set the crib down and they leave it. And they exit the room and they get back to work. And it works. It works in that Jacob doesn't bother the displays as much as he used to. School groups that are coming to the market already for field trips suddenly start to want to make a stop into Mary Tales. And so for years, they've been like huddling these little school groups back through the storage area into this weird little room to, to see Jacob's, his little crib with his toys. Um, there's an altar with toys and notes that children in Seattle have been bringing to Mary Tales to give to this little boy ghost. And he's still very active. You can go in and talk to the owner or to the 
people that work there, he's mischievous. You know, he moves things around. They'll come back after in the morning after closing the night before, and in the walkway and the entry to the shop, there'll be like a large stuffed animal just placed there for them to find. Or they'll see a shadow going in the room, like the shadow of a young boy, but nothing is casting that shadow. The, the thing that I, I appreciate about the story with Jacob too is that he's clearly trouble, but he's still a relatively benign spirit. I think he's just, he's a kid trying to find peace somewhere in this strange little world that is the market. There are more scary ghosts than Jacob, but Jacob, I think, is definitely, he's, he's definitely part of the market family. Yeah, I don't know what it is, if it's just, you know, like The Shining or Kids with No Eyes. Ghost Children's just a creepy combination, no matter which way you look at it. So that was one of my more favorite stories to do, ghost stories or not, here on Northwest Nerd Podcast. Thank you to everybody who contributed to that. Very well done, Ensign Haddix. And that'll do it for this rerun episode of Northwest Nerd. We are going to be back next week with yet another spooky tale from this Northwest region here on Northwest Nerd.